you are listening to Fed by Ravens. <laughs> wow. You went full NPR. I did. You're listening to the smooth sounds of biblical prophecy. The dulcet tones. That was so weird. But hey, good morning and welcome <laughs> to day 289 and 290 days. I know, but something about 290 blows my mind. The only thing that would make this better is that it would be if we were uh, secluded in a cabin for all 290 days. <laughs> Just only out of our minds, insane at this point. <laughs> only had food, bread <laughs> delivered to us by ravens. Um, and just you and me around a fireplace with the word of God, that would be the only thing that would make this podcast better. Perhaps. Anyway, glad you're here. Let's continue to inter- uh, interweave our okay. stories with the great story of God's love for his people. Our Old Testament reading for today is Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 26 through chapter 37. Finally, kind of at the halfway point of Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah, man. As he just I keeps re- trucking. I refer to him as Jerry. Jerbear. We got a lot of the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah today. Yeah. And uh, it's very, it's very interesting. So it starts off. Our section is, um, "Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me?" Mm. I like that line. Uh, it's. Uh, I think it'd be a good way to start praying. Is just recognizing. Our God is the God of all flesh. And then mm-hmm. over and over again, he always introduces like a word to Jeremiah with remembering, oh, remember, I created all this. Yes. So you cannot read the scriptures and kind of have the creation of the world under the purview of God by his authority. Mm-hmm. If that's up for grabs, you're not really lining up with the story. Just right. know you're creating a different story. Mm-hmm. Because the story of God is I created all things he says it over and over again to his prophet, and he's either lying to us and saying, no, I didn't really create it, um, or he's telling the truth. Right. And I, I, I think it's just important to note. And so that's always giving God credibility. And again, he says to Jeremiah, the Chaldeans or Babylon will conquer this, Syria, this city, period. Yes. Your people have turned their back and not their face towards me. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. So that's kind of the... I do want to just say, like, yeah. over these chapters that we're about to do, that's, like, the theme. Because they're not in chronological order at all. But the theme is the word of the Lord's coming to Jeremiah to tell him, specifically, Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy the city because you guys have turned your back on me. And here's the lesson of repetition. Repetition aids learning. It's mm-hmm. almost ad nauseum. Jeremiah gets a little bit, it's like, okay, buddy. But what it what it's saying mm. to us is God has looking, has looked, has done, he's doing everything possible to win the hearts of his wife, of his bride back. He Mm -hmm. is not going to stop until he's done everything over and over again for 800 years. And the only thing to do now is it's too contaminated. It must be be burned and start over. Right. Uh, Yeah, so he basically hits all the, you know... Worship other gods. Yeah. You sacrificed your kids. Dude. Oh, like, and he says it again. It's like, I didn't even think of that. Right. The sacrificing of babies, which continues today, by the way. Mm-hmm. God says, that was never my mind. I didn't create the system of killing your firstborn child. Right. I had to engage in this through my son, Jesus Christ, because he's a representative for all humanity. He was the king who right. died for his people. But that is not my idea. 
don't think it came from me or you're pleasing me at all with that. Right. That doesn't even represent anything na- naturally that I've created. It's a total gross demonic thing. And then the thing I love always, Jeremiah does a very good job, or it's very clearly shown in Jeremiah, is the law yeah. and gospel. I know. Is every time he, he always follows up the destruction with the Lord uh, here in 42. Just as I have brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I promised them. Fields shall be bought in this land, of which you say, it is a desolation, and no one could ever live here. No, I'm letting it rest, and I'm going to bring you back in. Right. Now, it is a lot like that kind of conversation, like a a high school child going, why can't I go to stay overnight with my friends? No. You're not going because you have homework and mm-hmm. you have to do this and this. And last time you lied to us about where you were. Right. <laughs> and they don't hear it. Mm-hmm. But as you read, and then even chapter 33, it's so beautiful. I mean, it talks about God finding joy and praising and glory in his people. Right. There is a day coming when that will happen again. I will forgive you and the city will be, yeah. um, it'll be a joy to me. Yeah. And then he sets up the eternal covenant with oh, the line of David and the Levitical priests and and in, he even uses language of if you can break my mm-hmm. covenant with the rising of the sun and the rising of the moon, then don't trust my word on this. <laughs> so here's here's what that means. So he does. He says a righteous branch, but this branch is total king, total priest. Yes. So Jesus Christ is the total king, and remember, priest always represents God mm-hmm. to us and us to God. He's always doing that. And he's going to do it forever. Forever. And then the the confusing thing you just said, when you think about it, it does say, like, basically, I created night and day. If that order, my creation order, ever breaks, then then maybe you can accuse me of not keeping this covenant. But right. the, the big switch for me, though, is he even brings up, there's a covenant of Abraham where we walk through the pieces, mm-hmm. the, the, yes. the torn out pieces of meat, yes. right? Yes, And it, basically the covenant is a... Uh, it's a deal. Mm-hmm. But if you don't keep, like it's a handshake, and it's like, if you don't keep this deal, you'll be torn apart. Mm-hmm. And Israel broke that covenant, like right away. Now, Jeremiah is saying, from the word of God, I'm going to make a covenant that I will keep no matter what. Right. I will keep it. So my king will keep it. Mm-hmm. My priests will keep it. And you'll be safe for that. So that, of course, is all leading up to the beautiful news of Jesus Mm-hmm. But then, we, here's where the chronology of it all gets a little funky. So you have, basically, there's two or three kings he's about to, we're going to go over right now. Zedek- mean, yeah. Zedekiah. And Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, two. Two. And Jehoiakim, I believe, is like 10 years earlier than mm-hmm. Zedekiah. So he goes Zedekiah, which is like right up to kind of ve- final... Right up to the end. Zedekiah was the last king. And then, and then in between is what, what he was doing 10 years earlier with mm-hmm. Jehoiakim, which is really cool because... You start, to, you start to put it together like Jeremiah for 10, 20, 30 years has God, God's grace is truly amazing. Not mm-hmm. because, oh, he saved a wretch like me, but his patience is amazing. Mm-hmm. And his love and continually going after these people is amazing. It's, it's so interesting. So let's get to Zedekiah. So Zedekiah in chapter 34, um, <laughs> the Lord's like, hey, I need you to go tell Zedekiah something. I know. Um, he's going to die. <laughs> he's, or he's going to go to exile. But you're going you're gonna to see the king of Babylon like eye to die. eye. 
and he and he's gonna take you back to Babylon with him. But you're gonna die in peace. Mm-hmm. He says. Yes, he does say that. And um, and then there's this like scene where, um, I guess the I don't know if this is the one the Egyptians no the, the they seem to stop sieging the city for a second. It looks like Babylon is done. Is that thirty four? Yeah, I have the Hebrew slaves is what I'm trying to get at. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes, I love this. I know. Because we read this in Kings, I think. I love this. Okay, so part of the year of Jubilee. Let's go back to the year of Jubilee, everyone. Remember that? We were supposed to keep it and never did and how awesome it would be. And that's the reason they're outside of the land for 70 years because they were supposed to let the land rest. So the year of Jubilee, part of that was they were supposed to release any Hebrew slaves that they had. And cancel all the debts. Every seven years. Pretty awesome. You release, you have a total economic reset. And they never did it. Ever. Not once. Zedekiah. You know why they didn't do it? Uh... Because when you're doing well, it's scary. scary. It's scary to give that up. To give an economic reset. You're like, uh... So... Only poor people want that. Right. And so... They never did it, but Zedekiah, being sieged by Babylon, is at the point of, okay, maybe I'll just do something to again please this God that I that his temple is in our in our city. So he lets all he declares, free all the slaves. Right. And God's like, wow, good work. Cool. And so Egypt Egypt shows up and Babylon backs off and they're free. They're like home free for a second. And then, as soon as everything settles, all the owners were like, wait, why did we do that? Yeah, let's get our slaves back. Come back! And so they re-enslave everyone. They just let go. And God's like, oh, you were so close. I mean, and it you goes, were so close. It's as ancient as, I don't want my people to be slaves. Right. In do Egypt. you not remember the whole Egypt thing? Right. And now you're acting like Egypt. So, guess what? Babylon's coming back, and yep. they are going to burn this city to the ground. And that's where the covenant is broken, and he's like, uh, basically, t- you guys have torn, you're torn yourselves apart. Right. Breaking all these deals with me. But then we get to, so that kind of ends. It's like, all right. And then you get to, um, so Zedekiah will die in Babylon. Then yes. you get to Jehoiakim, which is 10 years earlier, mm-hmm. and you get this amazing scene where, long story short, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah, and he says, go find the... Uh, the Rakabites? Yeah, the Ken- they're from Kenite. Yeah. Kenites, yeah. Um, they're nomadic people. And he says. So, do you remember who the Kenites are? I was trying to right now. So, the Kenites I was gonna ask you. were from the lineage of um, Moses' father in law. Oh, Jethro? Yes. That's right. And so, they were. They followed along with the people of Israel. They settled with the Israelites, and they were. Um, ascetic like they practice asceticism and so they kind of gave up everything right. and just basically were like we're trusting fully in this god so they're nomadic <clears throat> they're not planting they're not building mm-hmm. houses or then and they don't drink wine yeah they're nothing. like almost like a nazarite lifelong nazarite vow and they're That's just right. like we are with the lord <laughs> and um if you remember the king who killed ahab and all of his family mm-hmm. he picked up a kenite and was like let me show you how zealous i am for the lord and, like, went through and killed. And so the Kenites watched, like, the destruction of Ahab and Israel, and now they're with Jerusalem, and they're, now they're watching this happen, and they're going, uh... Well, so <laughs> the story is then, God says to Jeremiah, call the, um, the Rechabites. Yes. And in front of a huge group, all the assembly offer them wine. 
And then they show up and they go, no, we're not going to drink. Why? Because our father said, don't drink. We live this mm-hmm. way and we've kept this tradition. We're ascetic. We're, we beat it kind of, we're just under that and we're not going to do it. You better do it. No, we're not going to do it. Then the Lord says, right. Now, Jeremiah, tell everybody, these people can obey their father's traditions mm-hmm. and yet you guys can't obey the mm-hmm. word of God. Me. Yeah. So that's like the big objective lesson. Right. And so it's so it, it's so funny to me because um, you could read this story and go, oh, we shouldn't drink wine. Right. Right. It's not about wine. It's not really. a, about that at it's, all. <laughs> and actually God says, it's like, here's what obedience looks like. Mm-hmm. And so the question for me is, why is it easier to obey family traditions than God's law? Like, it is always easier mm-hmm. to go, we always do this for Christmas and I have to do family. that. Family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God is using that. So yeah, you follow those things because you know it's not always bad, right. and it's not a matter of like right or wrong. Is it right. better to live like the Kenites or not? It doesn't matter. It's obey, understand the rhythms of obedience and trust and tradition. So anyway, that was the one. Then we go to um, we stay with Jehoiakim, right? And <clears throat> this is interesting because um, Jeremiah writes down all the sins. God says, write them all down. He has a scribe mm-hmm. Baruch, and uh, and that, the reason he's writing them down is that all the people might remember all the horrible things they've done and repent. Right. So, okay, again, this is in the context of the first attack from Babylon. Right. So Babylon was there 10 years earlier, and this is where Daniel and all those people got exiled. Right. And nice. so this is like a flashback 10 years before, saying, and there's sweet Jeremiah saying the same thing, right. doing the same stuff. Long story, shortened a little bit. <laughs> Basically, Baruch goes and read it, reads it because Jeremiah is not allowed in the temple or any yeah. place of importance now. All um, all the officials hear it, and all the priests and stuff, and they're not immediately against it. They're just no. like, "Hey, Baruch, give us the scroll. You go hide because the king is not going to like this." They go read it to the king, mm-hmm. and it's this, his winter palace. So there's a pot of fire. And he cuts the leather scroll as it's being read and just throws it in the fire. He doesn't repent. He doesn't do anything. It doesn't bother him at all. The word of God being read to him is like nothing. He just throws it away. I can like so vividly picture that. Me too. Me too. I could too. For some reason, I just felt the warmth of it. Him just clopping off sections of this leather papyrus. Very coldly. Not even angry. He's just... You know why you can picture it? Because we see people and we see our culture hear the word of the Lord and it doesn't even make them pause and go what if this is true it's just obviously not true it's not and it's a burden to me it's a hassle and so maybe at least it'll warm me for a second yeah maybe I can use it to. and so anyway uh, the response to that is Jeremiah ends up writing it like down two more times (laughs) like (laughs) nothing can stop Jeremiah the Lord's like, write it down again, write it down again. So even though he just destroys it, it's the word of and God. And the Lord hides him because Jehoiakim was ready to kill him. Yeah. And that's, uh, so he's getting ready to be killed there. Then you fast forward at the end of our reading today to Zedekiah again. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same things happening to Jeremiah constantly. This time he gets, um, he's going somewhere and he gets arrested and um, well, people don't <clears throat> like him. And so he's basically in jail. So I love this. So, Zedekiah sends out a messenger and is like, have uh, Jeremiah pray to the Lord for us and see what the Lord has to say. Because right. he's like desperate for anything at this right. point. And so Jeremiah just is like, um, yeah, the Lord says, 
uh, Pharaoh's army is not going to help you. They're going to yeah. go back to Egypt, and Babylon's coming back, and they're going to destroy this place. So then he's like going out to probably get the land, right. secure the land that his cousin who knows yeah I think sold so, him something like that because it's like he's going to go out to Benjamin to get his portion yeah and so he's like going out and the guards accuse him of trying to desert uh, Jerusalem and go to the Babylonians which is funny because the word of the Lord is saying do that yes and so they arrest him beat him up throw him into jail. And then Zedekiah sneaks in. He's like, hey, hey, buddy. I'm the king. Have, have, do you have a word from the Lord for me? Yeah. Yeah. You're all going to die. Can I, can you put me somewhere else? I'm starving. Yeah, they're going to kill me here. So then he puts him somewhere <laughs> else that's less harsh, <clears throat> and he gets bread. And the note here is, while it was still around, he got a loaf of bread every day. Yeah. Because it was running out soon. So after, after all today's reading, I think um, the ideas for me are the word of the Lord is real. Uh-huh. God is pursuing you in, a multi- in multiple ways. And so my message to myself and to anyone listening would be like, man, listen. Mm-hmm. What's the Lord trying to tell you? What's he trying to bring you back from? It's not, ju- it's not the drinking, it's the trusting him. It's not right. the whatever sin you're in, that's a symptom of not trusting him. He has life for you. Believe it. Cool. New Testament, new book. Ooh. Our New Testament, new book reading for today is 1 Timothy chapters 1 through 2. 1 Timothy would be considered a pastoral epistle a letter for uh timothy a pastor so if you're not a pastor you can skip this part just, <laughs> yeah so honestly, first first you, and second timothy and titus are just kidding about them. traditionally pastoral letters um they are very personal in nature and they are actually some of the few letters that paul wrote really only to be read by the person he wrote them right. to so again, think of this as we are getting access to a very private conversation. It's very, and in honesty, it is beneficial for us. It's, mm-hmm. it's very beneficial, so uh, we don't dismiss ourselves because it was intended for Timothy, a pastor. But we do understand the parental nature of it. Like, mm-hmm. There's a mentorship, a fatherhood over Timothy, that I'm your father in the spiritual world, and I want you to succeed, and I want you... But the main thing for Paul is, I want you to protect good doctrine. Yeah. And that kind of gives one of the main things for a, a for pastoral ministry. And at whatever church you go to, or you allow to speak into your life, someone who knows sound doctrine, the mm-hmm. Word of God, and they're committed to um, engaging it and yeah. speaking it and being honest, even when it gets... Because uh, we're going to... Right away today, we're going to get into a conversation that gets um, uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's not Not culturally popular, popular, but that's where you need people leading who are willing to go, I'm uncomfortable with this, but this is what what our story says, and this is who we are. Mm -hmm. So, sound doctrine, that's how he begins. I urge you to uh, protect everybody from the fake news, and because, again, people are writing letters Mm -hmm. and saying they're apostles and perverting and changing to, to make money or to get power. Who knows? 
but he's like, this is pure doctrine. And um, so while Paul's traveling around in Macedonia, uh, where we just kind of came from, actually, with Thessalonica right. and Philippians, uh, he has Timothy staying in Ephesus, where he stayed for like almost three years or so. And he's just like, I really want you to dig into this community and yeah. protect it and minister to it. Bless you. Silent sneeze. Silent sneeze. Trying to Weird. keep it silent for the for the radio audience. No. They'll only benefit from hearing hearing signs of your humanity. Oh man. Continue. What was I saying? I don't know. You want me to take it? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about because your silent sneeze really threw me. <laughs> like, how does he do that? It's so weird. Not human. Well, he he's saying you got to devote yourself to sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Why? Because uh, endless genealogies and myths and speculations, rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. So, in other words, the gospel. We are stewards of the gospel. We're promoting right. sound doctrine. And so we can get sidetracked on all these side issues, right. like end times, and then separate because we believe, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to figure that out. Or it's really appropriate in our day and age, and apparently in his day and age, we can get sidetracked about um, homosexuality and the role of women, mm-hmm. like huge things. And, and he's saying, look, you got to be, you got to have sound doctrine. Right. And then we'll navigate those issues. Mm-hmm. But um, this, the aim is our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Like, this is yeah, what you're doing. I do like that. Like, you got to remember that, too, in these conversations, because in the next couple verses, he lists a bunch of sins. And, you know, in, in our culture, no one wants to hear the sins about um, unholy, profane, those who strike their fathers and mothers, murderers, sexually immoral. But all we see is the next one, men who practice homosexuality. Yeah. Enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of glory. He's trying to say you got to protect it. Yeah. And, and in our culture, it's not popular. It's very confusing. But homosexuality is not the created order. Mm-hmm. I think we can all admit scientifically for human humanity to survive and to continue mm-hmm. to thrive homosexuality does not achieve literal life mm-hmm. and so sound doctrine is we are trying to keep god's created order and move towards life this does not say we hate liars we hate and kill and try to destroy all these people it just says in we don't encourage people away from life Right. Encourage it towards life. Right. Not popular and uh, and difficult because you'll know people who struggle with all sorts of sins and the call is to love them, um, but you need to be rooted because you love them. You need to say, I don't, I don't know the solution. I just know that's probably not the best way for life. But call on, out on God, ask for forgiveness. I do all the time. Well, so I do like this. So he's talking about the use of the law. Yeah, I know. This whole thing is actually around how people use the law. He's like, look, people are going to try to use the law against you. Yeah. And to enslave you and to work against the gospel. But let's not forget that the law is a good thing. Right. And the law is actually for our benefit. And the law actually accuses probably the people who are using it wrongly. And so let's remember where it centers us. It points us to, like, 
what death looks like. And then we actually start to look towards Jesus, who is the soul. Like, this is what we're looking for in our doctrine is, is it about Christ crucified? And this is a conversation about doctrine. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the basic things that we believe that guide us? Right. And so, yeah. That, so the law is there to point you to the gospel. And the law is for uh, the unlawful. Mm-hmm. Right. Really. If you're following the law, it's not a big deal. It's right. when you're breaking the law that it's like, ah, right. it condemns you and uh, not us. Right. And so he kind of leads into this whole thing where it points you to the gospel when you've broken the law. And the law and the gospel frees you up because I was like a really awful guy. Like I persecuted the church. I was against you guys. Right. But but I Christ led me into forgiveness and has freed me from that and has forgiven me. And now I am leading and entrusted with the message of the gospel to the No, Gentiles. you're exactly right. And you lead me, you reminded me of like the main verse that holds this whole chapter together is mm-hmm. Christ came to save sinners. Right. Then he says, I'm the chief of sinners. But that's the other thing. After this list, so we see the word homosexual. It's mm-hmm. wrong. But he says it twice. Christ came to save sinners. Mm-hmm. So you know what? If you're homosexual, you're in a good place. Not good. I mean, you're in a place where God will save you. Right. If you're a liar, which I am sometimes, mm-hmm. God will save you. It's about Christ coming to save sinners. And he proves, like, look, I am a display of God's patience. Mm-hmm. I was identified as a person who killed Christians. And in God's patience and his grace, he saved me. So, Timothy, get ready for your battle. And that's, remember, this is all about, you're going to be thrust into these confusing situations, but you hold on to sound doctrine. And remember, anchoring it off, Christ came to save sinners. Like, this is the will of God. Right. That all should be saved. And so, again, this is all under the context that he's setting up Timothy as the new pastor or a new minister for the Church of Ephesus. And so he's like, this is what you need to expect as a pastor. This is your goal. Protect the doctrine. And, and he says, some have, some have gone away. Yes. Um, the note there for me was, they've made a shipwreck of their faith. And so I've handed them over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That mm-hmm. idea is really about um, handing them over is expulsion from the Christian community. Like, okay, you don't really believe what we believe anymore, so we don't need your voice in here. Right. But... The purpose of expelling is that they might be restored. When you can believe what we believe, we want you to come back. And mm-hmm. so it's like a shipwreck. And Paul's been on some shipwrecks. It's a nightmare. And you got to swim and find your way to shore mm-hmm. and hang on to something. And the prayer is, we're going to leave you out there and hope that you can find your way back to sound land. Right. Uh, and, Christ. So, and that happens. Right. That's a thing that happens. And uh, if it's happening to you, then get to sound doctrine as quick as you can. So we don't have much time for this, but this is a big section. Well, okay. So for chapter two, yeah. Uh, again, setting him up as a minister. All right. Now that you know, protecting sound doctrine, law, gospel, next step is pray. Yeah, I know. For everyone and everything. Pray. Give it all over to God. And the, pr- if you're going to be a spiritual leader, you pray and you give it all to God and you lead everyone to God right. and you go to God. That's it. And so he says first, you know, he even starts with pray for the kings, like pray for your presidents, pray for your government. It's the thing from Jeremiah, like, mm-hmm. because if they're under at least the law of God and justice, it'll be good mm-hmm. for you. Like pray right. for everyone. And 
he reveals something too. Because why? Our Savior, God, desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Right. That there's one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. That's mm-hmm. it. Like the heart of all this is that God's will, his desire, is that all would be saved. It's we who reject. And so um, remember, this is the doctrine, and remember, this is how we fight in this world against corrupt governments, against injustice, we pray. Mm-hmm. Then, I guess, uh, and this requires a longer conversation, but apparently there was a movement for the new woman. Yes. And I think we talked about this somewhere else, in maybe Corinthian. in Corinthians. In Corinth. So the new woman was uh, starting to blur the uh, vocations and the callings of men and women and... Um, in their culture. Right. And uh, and so he's addressing, here's how we handle, here's like a very practical way to handle the confusion that women might be bringing in, and especially women from idolatrous situations where they had a big voice mm-hmm. and kind of almost like as witches is how we would say it today. Right. They could read the oracles and mm-hmm. connect to spiritual things because they're very, they were very open to that and mm-hmm. good at it. And so he has to say, look, um, first of all, I want all men and all the guys who are leading these things to always be praying, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Right. So, I mean, the men who are leading this can't be angry, mm-hmm. you know, using this. It's like open and honest. And then women shouldn't adorn themselves. Apparently, right. you know, it would take a week to earn one denarii. Yeah. And they're wearing jewelry that's 7,000 denarii. Right. And they're flaunting because this is what they do. So there's, in the culture... People were flaunting the They're, disparity between being wealthy. Right. And like, we don't do that in And church. it brings dis- disunity in church. And it also was a way to, uh, like, that's what, like, the priestess would do. Yeah. And again, it's blurring lines because the priests, the priestesses get their power through sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he's like, we're not bringing that into the church. Well, that's why he says, uh, you know, it's pr- what's proper. So women, like, dress yourself, adorn yourselves in respectable apparel, modesty, self-control, not braided hair or gold and pearls, costly attire. It's okay to braid your hair. Right. This The idea is, in the culture, it's, it's like, seductive or power. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, the, the thing that applies to us is, if you think it's a little too racy, then don't, don't wear it to church. Like, yeah. you don't need little boys sitting there going... Who's that lady? Right. You just don't. Or want if that. it's going to bring a disunity between, like, it's going to like cause like right. jealousy or envy or, um, like, oh, she thinks she's better than us. Right. That again is like okay. And again, the same thing for men. Mm-hmm. Don't come in here with a half sh- half shirt and uh, running shorts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. Know. Anyway, it goes for everybody. Like, don't be distracting. Right. That's all. Um, and for wrong reasons. But then the, the controversial verse would be, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control. That's the bomb mm-hmm. that causes uh, so much problems in our culture because it sounds like like the case it initially sounds like, oh, Eve was weak and was mm-hmm. deceived, and so you can't trust her. And that's not his argument at all. Right. 
his his argument. You go ahead. I want to hear this. Is a, this is what actually I you got just connected. Yeah, was uh, that what happened in the garden? Mm-hmm. Is Eve led Adam? Right. Adam did not lead Eve. Adam was supposed to lead and protect. And instead, he let her do her thing and then followed her into her but, sin. But why? Why was Adam supposed to lead and protect? Because uh, God made him first. Right. It's literally a created order thing. Yeah. Like, Adam was made first, and God told him, be fruitful and multiply, don't eat from the tree. Now, I want to help made in all this. Right. Great. So, like, Eve's deception, it wasn't her even her vocation. God didn't tell Eve... Protect this and don't do this. Right. I think. I mean, we might have to look it back up again. Genesis 3. He told Adam. Yes. And then you know what he told Eve? You're a helpmate. You're you're totally compatible. It's not about who's smarter or who's dumb. It's none of that. And it's not about power over. It's simply about your uh, the vocation God gives you. Mm-hmm. And the vocation to woman was, dude, the Savior is going to come through you. Mm-hmm. This is your job. You're going to bring about humanity. Like, you're the mother of all life. Like, right. it's going to be amazing, Adam. Right. You need to protect this this relationship with me. And and she needs to protect this relationship with her body having babies. Right. And it's going to be great. And immediately, Satan goes after the one who didn't get the calling to protect this. And so right. she gets deceived. Not And Adam's held accountable because he made the choice mm-hmm. to follow his wife. He's the one who had the direct job. So that's Paul saying here, look, in our culture, the job is men. Right? Yeah, lead. He's like, men, lead. You're the ones. Protect. And, and guess what? It's not to all men. Right. It's, it's a very special case. It's very few people. It's Timothy. Yeah. So don't think it's like, oh, men get to do this and women. Well, guess what I say? How come women get to have babies? I want to have a baby. <laughs> And so that's Paul's point. Is like women carry the babies, and men carry the sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. And um, but then there's going to be further qualifications even for that, yeah. which we're about to read in chapter. It's going to whittle down even more. So it's not just a man because every man isn't allowed just to preach the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know this from the Old Testament with the um, sons of Korah. The sons of Korah. They wanted to be handling the things of the temple, and God says, "No, I choose specific." very exclusively who I want to do this. Yeah. And they have little to say about it, the people who get chosen, and the and the, uh, the people, it's just what I want. It's God's choice. It's God's choice. So you want to have a place where God has a choice, he puts the calling on people to preach the word of God. Mm-hmm. And Paul's saying, um, we're going to follow the order of creation here and not confuse things in a society where women are uh, really connected to positions of power in the idolatry system. Yeah. And then, you know what? We'll have to work it out in our own context. It's mm-hmm. a difficult and slippery conversation. All right. Thanks, Paul. I mean, he at least dr- addresses these things. Yeah. We may not like the outcome, but it's our story. True that. And it's a good story, so protect it. Our Psalms for today is Psalm 119, verses 49 through 56. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked, who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. 
I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.